During the night, between April the 9th and the 10th, dozens of Palestinian rioters in the city of Nablus, which is biblical Shechem, raided and vandalized the Jewish holy site known as the biblical tomb of Joseph. These rioters set fire to the site, smashed the cenotaph above the grave, smashed electrical lighting, burned prayer books, and ruined and burned equipment within the tomb area. On the 11th of April, it was discovered that the rioters had returned to destroy whatever they had missed during the previous night. Similar attacks have taken place in the past. During a riot in the year 2000, an Israeli policeman was shot and bled to death because the Palestinian Authority denied entry to Israeli medical personnel. In 2015, the site was again seriously damaged by arson committed by Palestinian rioters. You may have heard those news reports about the attack on Joseph's tomb in Israel. Shameful, scandalous rioters throwing rocks at a holy site. Joseph's tomb under attack. But you know, folks, there's another Joseph's tomb that's under attack today. In fact, this tomb has been under attack for the past 2,000 years. I'm not talking about the Joseph of the Old Testament now. I'm talking about the Joseph of the New Testament, Joseph of Arimathea, because in his tomb, the body of the Lord Jesus was laid. But thank God that tomb is empty today. But nonetheless, over the last two millennia, that tomb has been under attack, not by rioters throwing rocks, not by rioters throwing Molotov cocktails, no, by skeptics, by doubters, by liberals, by atheists who deny the resurrection or at the very least cast doubt upon it. So today I want us to be like Sherlock Holmes or Poirot or Columbo or whichever detective you you watch. And we're going to do some detective work today and we're going to look at myths that have been around for the last 2,000 years, myths about the resurrection of Christ and we're going to do what they do when, when they go ten-pin bowling. You know how they throw the bowl down the alley and skittle all the skittles. Well, that's what we want to do today. There's three, three myths, three lies of the devil surrounding the resurrection of the Lord Jesus that we want to blow out of the water today. Here's the first one. Myth number one, the swoon theory. What that theory says and uh, describes is that the Lord Jesus didn't really die at his crucifixion. He merely became unconscious. He swooned. He passed out. He fainted. And he was laid in the tomb. But when he was in the tomb, because it was cool, he resuscitated. He revived. 
but he was never really dead. He, he just swooned. That's the first myth, the first lie. The first attack upon the risen Lord. I call two witnesses to the stand today. It's like a courtroom this morning. We want to examine the evidence. Does this swoon theory stand up to cross-examination? So here's the two witnesses. The first witness we call today are the Roman soldiers. The Roman soldiers who were responsible for the death of Christ and the responsible for the death of all those who died by crucifixion. They were actually called death merchants. That's the nickname that was given to the Roman soldiers in the time of our Lord. Death merchants. Because they put so many people to death on, on Roman crosses. So what about the Roman soldiers? I wonder what they would say about this swoon theory. Well... If Jacob, if you could put up the first passage, it's John 19, verse 33 and 34. And let's look at this, these few verses. But when they came to Jesus, that's the soldiers, and saw that he was dead already, they break not his legs. But one of the soldiers with a spear pierced his side, and forthwith came there out blood and water so the soldiers come to the two thieves beside the saviour and they're not dead yet and so they break their legs and that speeds up their death but they're about to break the legs of the Lord Jesus and they look up and the soldier looks up into the face of Christ and his head is bowed and he has given up the ghost already the soldiers see this man is dead already. We don't need to break his legs. Dead already, verse 33. He hadn't just swooned. He hadn't just fainted. He hadn't just went unconscious. No, he was dead already. But just to make sure, the soldier takes his spear and he plunges it into the side of Christ. And right into the side as far as his heart and out of the heart flows blood and water, which was a sure sign of death. I mean, if you had asked a doctor, a medical uh, individual, a medical professional, and, and they were standing at the cross, they would have said, oh, there's the blood and water. That's proof that physical death has taken place. So th those are the first witnesses we call today to dismiss the swoon theory, the soldiers. The eyeball test. Isn't that what we could call it? The eyeball test. It's a good test to use in everyday life, by the way, the eyeball test. Don't believe everything you hear or see. You, you, bring to bear the eyeball test. What do you see around you? What's happening? Well, the soldiers used the eyeball test and they saw that Christ had died. He was really dead. He hadn't swooned. But then I call a second witness to the stand this morning. Pontius Pilate. 
And I want us to look at another passage now. You can turn to it if you like, you don't have to, but it's Mark chapter 15 and verse 42. Mark 15 and 42. So what would Pilate think of the swoon theory? Verse 42 of Mark chapter 15. And now when the even was come because... It was the preparation, that is the day before the Sabbath, Joseph of Arimathea, an honourable counsellor which also waited for the kingdom of God, came and went in boldly unto Pilate and craved the body of Jesus. And Pilate marvelled if he were already dead. And calling unto him the centurion, he asked him whether he had been any while dead. And when he knew it, Off the centurion he gave the body to Joseph. (coughs) So the centurion has gone to the cross where Jesus' lifeless body hangs. And the centurion is convinced himself that this man, Jesus of Nazareth, is really dead. And he goes back to Pilate. He says, Governor I can assure you that the man on the middle cross really is dead. And it says here, of course, that Pilate, when he knew it, the centurion tells him that he's dead, and now Pilate knows it for sure. And he says, Joseph, yeah, he's dead. Go ahead, take down the body. The swoon theory doesn't stand up to cross-examination. So this is the first reason and the first proof we have today that Jesus really did rise from the dead. But there's another myth, another attack upon the resurrection That we want to consider today, not because we believe it, not because it's true, but because we know that it's the opposite, that it's not true. The stolen body theory. We read of this lie, this theory in Matthew chapter 28, verse 11. Let's look at it together. Now when they were going, behold, some of the watch came into the city. And showed unto the chief priests all the things that were done. And when they were assembled with the elders and had taken counsel, they gave large money unto the soldiers, saying, Say ye, his disciples came by night and stole him away while we slept. And if this come to the governor, to the governor's ears, we will persuade him and secure you. So they took the money and did as they were taught. And this saying is commonly reported among the Jews until this day. The stolen body theory. Picture the scene. Jerusalem, Easter morning, AD 33. At the grave of the Lord Jesus, there are Roman guards... 
But they have witnessed the lightning. They've witnessed the angel of the Lord descend. And the stone has been rolled back. They've witnessed all that has happened. They've witnessed the Lord Jesus coming forth from the grave. They've seen it all. They're eyewitnesses. And they come back into the city to the elders, the chief priests, and they say, he's really alive. He's risen from the dead. The tomb is empty. He's not there any longer. Oh, the darkness of man's depravity. To hear such good news, but yet to concoct a scheme and a lie to deny it. And the religious leaders, they bribe the soldiers. They pay them a large amount of money so that they'll say, the disciples stole the body. Here, men, change your story. Don't say that he's risen. Don't say that he's alive. No, please don't say that. This is what you, what, what you have to say. This is to be your story now. When we were sleeping, the disciples came and stole him away. But I mean, you know, after about five seconds of thinking, you can see through this lie. For a Roman soldier to fall asleep on duty was a capital offence. Any Roman soldier caught sleeping while on uh, duty, they were immediately sentenced to death. It was the death penalty for them. Do you think the Roman soldiers would have fallen asleep? I don't think so. There wasn't a, a chance, not a chance, that it was going to happen. How would anybody believe such nonsense? And by the way, you know, you can just imagine the soldiers coming in and, and being cross-examined and the uh, uh, solicitor or the, the, the lawyer, the, the attorney, he, he turns to the soldiers and he says, by the way, how, how could you know what happened when you were asleep? How do you know what happened if you were, if you were fast asleep? I mean, it would have been thrown out of court right away. It was complete and utter nonsense. The stolen body theory. Well, we thank God that we know that the body of the Lord Jesus wasn't stolen by the disciples or by anyone else. We know that he rose from the dead. And so we can dismiss these two theories right away. The swoon theory and the stolen body theory. But then there's another theory that has been doing the rounds. There's another myth, there's another lie that we need to consider this morning. The hallucination theory. Basically... What this theory purports is that the disciples were seeing things. That their eyes were playing tricks on them. 
when Peter and John and Mary Magdalene and the others who saw Jesus, when they encountered the Saviour, they only thought that it was Jesus. They didn't really see him. It was just they were hallucinating. Because of the emotions that they were going through, because of their despair, because their hearts were broken, they hallucinated. They saw what they thought was Jesus risen from the dead, but he hadn't really risen from the dead. The hallucination theory. But here's the problem. What about the appearances of the Lord Jesus to groups of people? You see, yes, it is possible for individuals to hallucinate, but groups can't hallucinate. Crowds of people, multitudes of people who come together How can they hallucinate everybody at the same time? It's just not possible. And you see, the fact of the matter is that the Lord Jesus not only appeared to individuals, but he appeared to groups. On numerous occasions, by the way, he appeared to groups of people after he had risen from the dead. I want us to go through some passages now as we finish. And we want to read about different groups of people that Christ appeared to. First one is here, Luke chapter 24, verse 36. Let's read it together. Luke 24 and verse 36. And as they thus spake, Jesus himself stood in the midst of them and saith unto them, Peace be unto you. But they were terrified and affrighted and supposed that they had seen a spirit. And he said unto them, Why are ye troubled and why do thoughts arise in your hearts? Behold my hands and my feet, that it is I myself. Handle me and see, for a spirit hath not flesh and bones." As ye see me have. And when he had thus spoken, he showed them his hands and his feet. And while they yet believed not for joy and wondered, he said unto them, Have ye here any meat? And they gave him a piece of a broiled fish and of an honeycomb. And he took it and did eat before them. Did you notice down through that passage? They. And them, a group, the disciples and those who were with them in the upper room, do you think they were all hallucinating? Were they all seeing things? I don't think so. And a judge in a court of law wouldn't think so either. No, the Lord Jesus really had risen from the dead. What about Matthew 28, verse 9? Matthew chapter 28 and verse 9. And as they went to tell his disciples, there's they again, a group. Behold, Jesus met them, saying, All heal. And they came and held him by the feet and worshipped him. Then said Jesus unto them, 
Be not afraid. Go tell my brethren that they go into Galilee, and there shall they see me. Another group who didn't hallucinate. No, they weren't seeing things. No, their eyes weren't playing tricks on them. It wasn't hallucination. It was the Lord Jesus risen, uh, resurrected from the dead. What about John chapter 20? Again, the upper room. Verse 26 of John chapter 20. And after eight days, again, his disciples were within and Thomas with them. Then came Jesus, the doors being shut, and stood in the midst and said, Peace be unto you. Then saith he to Thomas, Reach hither thy finger, and behold my hands, and reach hither thy hand, and thrust it into my side, and be not faithless, but believing. Another occasion, another incident of the risen Christ appearing to his people to confirm their faith, to prove that he really was alive. Acts chapter 1, verse 3. To whom also he showed himself alive after his passion by many infallible proofs, being seen of them forty days, and speaking of the things pertaining to the kingdom of God, and being assembled together with them, commanded them that they should not depart from Jerusalem, but wait for the promise of the Father, which saith he, ye have heard of me. For 40 days before he ascended back to heaven, he appeared to his people, teaching them and instructing them and telling them that the Spirit was on the way and they needed to tarry in Jerusalem until they would, would be endued with power from on high. And they weren't hallucinating. Here's one final verse. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 and verse 6. Just so that we can nail this hallucination theory once and for all. 1 Corinthians 15 verse 6. After that he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. 500 people assembled together on one occasion and the risen Christ appears to them. Do you think 500 people had an hallucination at exactly the same time? I don't think so. So you see folks with a little careful Bible study with the help of the Holy Spirit we can see for sure that these theories don't stand up. That they're fake news. Boy, there's a lot of fake news around, isn't there? There was a lot of fake news around when Jesus rose from the dead. And sadly, there were people who believed it. That he had just swooned. 
Oh, that his body had been stolen. Oh, the disciples were seeing things. A lot of people believe these lies. Don't you believe them? Because that's all they are, lies. Thank God our Savior lives today. And what's the thrust of the argument? Why is it so important that we establish that he is alive? Well, it's because, as the hymn writer said, who is he who from the grave comes to heal, to help and save? Tis the Lord, a wondrous story. Tis the Lord, the King of glory. At his feet we humbly fall, crown him, crown him, Lord of all. That's why Jesus rose from the dead. Did you hear it? To heal. Is there someone here today who needs healing? The risen Christ can impart physical healing. And best of all, spiritual healing to you today. The risen Christ can help. My, we need help in these days to fight the world, the flesh, and the devil. My, thank God he came to save. The risen Christ can save. Dead men can't save anybody, but a a risen Lord and Savior is mighty to save today. Are you saved? If you're not saved... Make this Easter Sunday 2022 your decision day, your spiritual birthday. If you're backslidden, come back to the Lord today. He restored Peter. He can restore you. Let's have our final hymn. It's 202, the Easter hymn. Christ the Lord is risen today. Hallelujah. We're going to stand together. Or at least those who are able to stand, will let's stand as we sing hymn number 202. Let's stand. <clears throat> <clears throat> 